Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law and with me, as always, Ellie Mistal, my co-host. How are you? I'm good. With me, as always, you in your preppy white shirt as usual. Don't you have any, like, anything with any yellow, soul actually. in it? Like, I think this is a yellow shirt. Anything from FUBU you may have, in your You may have, uh, like, some colorblindness issues. Oh, well, perhaps. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is, you know, standard. White no, man. I'm not, I'm not flashy. Yeah, no. I, I, I let... I let my personality do the talking. <laughs> and we are all happier for it, I'm sure. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, so what's got you upset today? <clears throat> well, my son is about three months old. My youngest son's about three months old, which means that his mother's maternity leave has run out, and so she's been back at work for a couple of weeks, which is terrible. This woman, my wife, awesome lights of my life, has to drag herself into a job Boobs engorged with milk, pumping in a freaking bathroom while her son has sat at home having his mother untimely ripped from his mouth. And the only person that's around to take care of him now is, as I'm sure he would call it, defective daddy who isn't able to produce anything of sustenance from his person. It is a terrible thing that we do to women in this country and their husbands to make them roll right back into work so soon after pushing a bowling ball through their lady parts. We're the only country that has no official, sorry, only industrialized country that has no official paid family leave time. My wife works for a big bank, is pretty lucky that she got three months paid leave from her employer, which puts her like in the top 1% of women who give birth in America, but like kind of middling 75th percentile if she lived in any European country worth talking about. How is this okay? It is one of those things that I think is, a, is very short-sighted. Uh, it, it seems as though it feels like the bottom line is better off by forcing people back to work. But I think in the long term, folks are more efficient if they aren't being forced to work at half capacity. You don't end up with people leaving their jobs because they can't deal with going back to work, which robs the workforce of experience and so on. It's, it's one of those losing sight of the long term, I think. Our new Speaker of the House just put us through basically a two-week-long Oprah episode about how he desperately needed to be around his kids and couldn't do his job the way his job has been done because he had to be a dad. But when it comes time to legislate for women that are not Paul Ryan to have pay family leave, where is he? He's back to, I don't want to support an unfunded mandate. So he wants the ability to be able to be around his family and take care of his family, but he's not willing to let let the American woman have that same right. And I agree. And to be a little less necessarily like political fire breathing about it, that's a good example of what I was just saying. They were searching desperately for a speaker who had the competence to run the House, and he was really the only person in the House really who had that talent level. And he almost didn't do it because it would have taken him away from his kids. And I think that happens more often than we think in definitely in corporate America, but even in in regular workplaces where folks with actual experience and competence 
choose not to take on jobs because of family issues that could be dealt with, but we we look a little too short-sightedly about it. We are but. backwards. We are backwards on this issue. We are backwards on this issue, and that means that you know, and it, and and people think it's just a woman's issue. I'm here to tell you. It's a men's issue too. What's well, a, a men's it's issue? It's a daddy for you issue because you're, because you're not good at what you do, and so you need her to do everything. <laughs> right. And I, I understand that. I've, I've met you both, and the competence swing definitely goes uh, team her. I ba- I can barely boil the damn thing. <laughs> the the bottle, not the baby. Jesus Christ. Well, let's <laughs> moving from babies to what happens. In many cases, before babies, uh, no, this isn't another sex episode. We're going to go more formally. What often happens before babies? We're going to talk about weddings. I got married once. Yeah, and and just once so far. So far, yeah. hopefully, yeah, hopefully, just once. And you you said a lot of things in that intro that that if she's listening, probably means you could, you've bought yourself another couple of years. She's also too busy working though to listen. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> So uh, our guest today is Rob Shank of Shank Smith, uh, which is in Atlanta. But more importantly for what we want to talk about is the area that he really kind of the guru on. He's the proprietor of Wedding Industry Law Blog and does a lot of work in the wedding industry, which is a legal landmine that people don't really realize is a set of legal landmines. Well, guys, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, I'm actually disappointed that this is not about sex. That's what I signed up for. So, <laughs> No, but it is about marriage, so I think it's kind of the same. Right, so it's the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I'm a Catskills comedian here. No, oh, no, it's the opposite. It's like, uh, no, you're just, you just sound accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, having, having me on guarantees it's why lawyers are bad at sex. But anyway, <laughs> like, okay, but oom boom. So I, I guess off the top, let's just talk about the wedding industry and how you end up getting into wedding industry law, which is, I don't think, an area of law a lot of people even think about as a thing that they can do. They think about weddings and law when it comes time for the wedding to be over, right? <laughs> true. Very true. No, I mean, it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So my personal story with it is that I dated a wedding photographer uh, for a few years, and um, because I had a business law background, I, for giggles, I looked at her contract, reviewed it, found it lacking in a lot of different ways. And so kind of my rep grew in the Atlanta area with wedding photographers and event photographers. And then, so it grew from there. So I was getting approached by DJs, planners, venues, that kind of thing in the Atlanta area. And then from there, I got on what I would call the wedding and event speaking circuit. And so that my reputation started to grow almost, I guess, nationwide. So that's, for me, that's the short story of of how that niche practice grew. So you are now literally a part of the marital industrial complex. <laughs> you can say that. Yes, you really could. <laughs> Which means you kind of view things like the Obergefell decision as a massive expansion of the workload that you're going to be able to get. That was, that's, that's all kinds of new hours. Oh, yeah. All kinds of new hours, all kinds of fodder for blogs, and I'm getting calls. It's, it's before, that, before the decision, I was getting calls on both sides. Like, how can I not, how can I, you know, keep from having to do this? How can, how can I do it? Blah, blah, blah. But absolutely. It's a boon to the industry and a boon for my, my practice area. That's amazing. Yeah. So one thing you said about how you kind of use this serendipity of looking at this contract to really get into this business and build your practice. One thing that I know just from, you know, reading up on, on other stuff you've written is that your practice, you were kind of building, you were kind of new at your firm, and this kind of finding this niche 
played a big role in you actually being able to have a practice. Right. So when I graduated, I just happened to get a job at an international law firm. Then I did a lot of business law and business litigation and, and arbitration. And so that gave me the um, kind of the skill set to actually review a contract. And so from there, I knew that I'm, I guess, an entrepreneur at heart. So I knew that I wanted to get more court time and I wanted to, to kind of be on my own. And that was the genesis for me kind of breaking off from there. And, you know, when you go out on your own, you, you need clients or you got to, you know, call mom for a loan. So having a specialization like that and just putting my foot in the door with that event industry really kept my lights on for, for a while. So I always say that it's great to specialize because even though you lose a lot of stuff, you gain more, I guess, so to speak. And, and the institutional knowledge. So what's some of the biggest issues that you see coming up when, when good weddings go bad, if you will? Right, dude. Oh, there's, I mean, oh my goodness. So, I mean, from a 40,000 foot view, there usually is not a written contract. So that's usually my number one piece of advice whenever I have a client call me or there's an issue. It's like, well, is there a piece of paper? Like, no, it's a handshake. It's like, are you, it's 2015. Like, you know, <laughs> this is, and you're talking about transactions that can be up to 40, 50, $100,000 and you're doing it on a handshake. It's ridiculous. But, but mostly what the issues are, at least nowadays, is, the deposit issue, the money issue, like, cause you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce, but 50% of engagements, I feel like end. So uh. there's been money exchanged and they want to get it back and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's a huge issue that I deal with. So you got a lot of pissed off fathers of the bride kind of being like, Hey, this didn't happen. I want, I want the catering contract canceled. Exactly. I want that deposit back. That's a huge one. But, um, there's another issue that's come up in the past two months it goes by a bunch of different names. Some people call it DJ gate. Some people call it wedding gate. But as you can imagine, the wedding and event industry is, in order to market that, it's very visual. So everybody wants pictures of the cake, of the shoes, of the venue. And so how you get that normally in the past would be you would go through the principal photographer. And so nowadays, vendors like your baker or your planner or your DJ will either have professional photo equipment with them or they will hire somebody to tag along with them and take photos for later use in marketing. So there was a big brouhaha a couple months ago where a, a DJ did just that. He brought his own professional gear. Unfortunately, the principal photographer had an exclusivity contract with the client. So there was a huge like meltdown and there was, you know, in terms of their a story going viral and all that. And, and that's been a huge issue in the past couple months of who has the right to, to photograph an event. What kind of high-powered ass wedding are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, yeah, I know, right? No, it's you, you'd be surprised. I mean, like this, this I think this actually had a, was a pretty big wedding. It was a pretty big wedding. Man, I got married in uh, 2004. Yes, that's correct, 2004. And you know, the only contract that the only person that made me sign a contract was the uh, Catholic Church. Actually, like <laughs> everything else was a handshake. Only, only the Catholic Church was just like, okay, so here's much you're gonna, here's how much you're gonna donate for. <laughs> Well, they've been in business a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. They've worked out this. It's more of a moral contract, I guess. No doubt. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there'll, there'll be issues that come up, you know, every so often. So last year, the big deal was that California had passed a law that made it illegal to 
in a customer contract, in a service contract, have a non-disparagement provision. So when you agree up front with your wedding photographer, but the contract itself says you're not allowed to give me a bad review, that became illegal in the state of California. So that was a big deal because a lot of wedding and event industry professionals had that in their contracts. Interesting. I was actually going to ask more about that because for my money, one of the best South Park episodes of this season has been the one about the Yelp and how out of hand it is. And I got to assume that for these vendors, this is coming up a lot where there's, I mean, if assuming there's no, if it is a handshake deal and there aren't these no disparagement clauses, lots of bad reviews that can potentially ruin a business. That's true. I mean, I haven't seen South Park in a long time, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it can and it and it does, man. Like, I mean, I don't know Yelp's algorithms, but if I see a couple bad reviews, even if there are hundreds, I'm I've, I as a just a regular consumer view it as the, the company is kind of suspect. So, I mean, it it is a big deal. I'm I see that more and more in terms of hey, can we sue this guy? Can we sue Yelp? Blah blah blah. Would you suggest that a that a young couple out there in the throes of love have they are they already have their prenuptial contract? Sign. Um, would you suggest that they hire a lawyer to handle their wedding? And I guess I'm thinking about this kind of particularly since uh, Joe brought it up in the case of a same sex marriage where there are potentially a lot of fights that they might get into. You know, if I'm going to get gay married tomorrow, should I hire a lawyer as soon as my partner says yes? Well, I always agree to hire a lawyer for everything. So (laughs) I speak to the the concept of a lawyer to review the contract that you're being handed, right? So, you know, you got to think about it this way. I mean, like, what are your largest purchases in your life? Your house, you got a three-month-old kid. I'm sure that's not, you know, inexpensive. You know, next to that, maybe a car, but your wedding is probably one of the highest value contracts or highest value transactions that you're going to have. So when that kind of money is being exchanged, at least have it on a piece of paper. And if, if it's something that you can't understand, I advise that the client maybe try to get somebody to review it for them because it might save them money in the long run. It's just a good idea. If you're plopping down $15,000 for Swedish meatballs at, you know, Joe Blow's Chicken Shack for your reception, then you might want to have somebody look at it. Same as if you were buying a car or same as you were buying a house. And do you find that vendors are increasingly bringing legal counsel to bear as well? Well, I mean, yes, in the terms of having a counsel draft their contract as opposed to getting it off the internet. Absolutely. There's an uptick in that is from in my anecdotal experience with with the industry. There are a lot more vendors that are privy to how the law works than there was 10 years ago when people were just grabbing stuff off the internet or stealing it or borrowing it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so things like LegalZoom and all, my guess is that it was kind of a progression from vendors doing nothing to vendors doing their legal zooming and then vendors going, well, wait a minute, I need a a physical lawyer here. Yes, because as you know, I mean, what you get on LegalZoom cannot cover every possible scenario with every different industry. So the event industry might have particular quirks when it comes to non-refundable deposits and liquidated damages. It might have quirks in terms of now we have this DJ gate. So you want want to have, you know, the client warrants that you taking pictures, you the vendor is not going to step on another contract. Things that you wouldn't get from LegalZoom, in other words. So yes, that's why, at least in my practice, I'm getting approached more and more and more and more to beef up something that somebody got from LegalZoom. Huh. Interesting. It sounds like 
this whole world, I not being married, uh, find this whole world fascinating. Because <laughs> I've, I've been to weddings, and I've seen all of these vendors, and they just look like, it kind of looks sometimes like it's one wheel that's all functioning together, but they're all separate businesses that are all kind of on the same turf. That's true. So, yeah. A lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts to any, any wedding, any event. Yeah. So to that extent, a lot of lawyers like watch Law and Order or Suits and like enjoy watching their profession. Do you just watch Bridezillas and think, ah, there we go. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm used to. See, that's the thing is like I am a bachelor and I don't have any plans on getting married anytime soon. So I'm kind of just like this foreigner in this land <laughs> that I cannot possibly understand. I go to a convention, a wedding business convention, probably once a quarter at least. And I'm just amazed at what people talk about and what's popular. Like I, it, everything goes over my head, but I, I learned so much. You know, purple is out this year or whatever. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah. So you are really like a steely-eyed, you know, emotionless um, advisor on, on this. I'm a robot. I'm a robot. <laughs> I, I, if I ever get married, it will be I'm eloping and maybe we'll get some like, you know, I'll have cookout burger cater it at my party. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to have like these huge events that I'm writing contracts for. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's amazing. You're like, it's like the, I'm not saying this obviously about you, but it's almost like, you know, it's like the drug dealer's like, no, nah, I don't touch the stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll rot your brain, man. Touch yeah. that That's true. That's true. You can't, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't deal from your own stash or however that saying goes. I don't know. That's amazing. My wife is going to hate this podcast. Yeah, it's it's going to take me a little bit to recover from all this. Um, so... One thing that uh, sometimes we talk about, because we, we try and talk pop culture-y stuff a little bit, too. We just, we just had the Bridezilla's thing. So what, of all of the fictionalized weddings you've ever seen, what one do you sit there and go, yeah, no, that's, that's a real disaster? I mean, is it, is it like the Game of Thrones wedding where you just go, wow, those, those murderous musicians really had a bad contract? Or what? <laughs> what? The one from, um, oh, my goodness, what is that? It's um, Adam Sandler. The wedding, oh, singer? wedding singer, yes, where he gets drunk and the father of the bride punches him out. That, I've seen that in the news. Like that actually, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I have a Google alert set to just different types of like wedding photographer suit, wedding whatever suit, blah, blah, blah. And so I get updates every day about just different lawsuits across the country and that, that actually happens. So I watch that and I'm like, this, you know, it seems like fiction, but that really happens. See, that's why we didn't have a live singer. Yes, that's why you, okay. Straight DJ, yeah. yeah. DJ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, on that front, I wasn't thinking about this, but you raised DJ versus live singer. Is there a particular vendor that you, in your experience, has kind of the worst time of it as far as legal, legal troubles? Yeah, excellent question. So, in my opinion, the venue has the worst time because I feel like, they are on the line of like literal liability of someone getting bodily injured as well as the breach of contract component. So like they're the ones where they have to not only worry about doing a good job, they got to worry about making sure the wet floor sign goes out or the circuitry is not circuitry, but the wires are working and not hanging down that kind of stuff. So their exposure is in a couple different worlds and it's high exposure. So they're the ones. 
that makes so much sense to me. We uh, again in my wedding, we got married um, at at a place in Battery Park that when we saw it was going uh, was undergoing renovations. Um, and we were going to be one of the first people booked at that venue after it was undergoing res- renovations, which raised the interesting question of, you know, what if the renovations hadn't happened um, <laughs> in time, which, you know, happens. Um, what would our ability to be to get our deposit back and, and blah, blah, blah. As I said, my wife's a pretty good lawyer, so she worked this all out and I just had to show up. <laughs> hey, isn't that always the case? Nice. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you want to get a if you want to get a cheap wedding venue, find one that hasn't been built yet when you when you sign up. That'll cut your price down at least. No, oh, there you go. Yeah, no, there's all kinds of, and that's it's sad because I mean it happens once or twice, you know, a month where a wedding venue just goes under or gets rezoned. Or a couple of years ago, um, when the government shut down, there were so many weddings that were canceled because they were taking place on federal parks. Like, um, oh, wow, like Yosemite and stuff like that. So, don't get married in a federal park like Alcatraz or Yosemite in October because I think the same thing is going to happen next year when the, the budget comes back up. Hold so on, roll that back. Roll, roll, roll that back. back to don't get married at Alcatraz. So this is a venue that a lot of people enjoy. <laughs> no, I only say that because when the government shutdown happened, I happened to be visiting somebody getting married in San Francisco, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if there are any. Because, I mean, it's a federal park, I guess. I don't know what we yeah. call it a park, but it's a federal place where you go and visit, and it was shut down. So <laughs> I would get married there, but in honor of The Rock. <laughs> the rock. <laughs> oh, yeah, The Rock. That was like Michael Bay's best movie, right? We're by, all on board with that. By far. It was that also was, probably that was Michael Cage. Bay. Yeah, yeah, right? That's what. That's the movie that no, no, gives no, us. No, 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 no. Was it, was it Michael Bay or was that Jerry Bruckheimer maybe? We that live be. in a world we don't have to wonder. Keep talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. But I remember walking out of that movie and going, this is the best of whichever of the two it was is work ever. Oh, please tell me it's Bruckheimer or whoever. It's not Michael <laughs> yeah. Bay. It can't be. Okay. All right. You just ruined my day, Joe. Thank yeah, you. I think it might be Jerry Bruckheimer because I think it's the first one he did after Don Simpson died because the two of them had done Top Gun together and everything. And okay. I put in the rock to IMDb and I got Dwayne Johnson. Which oh, makes all right. Well, okay. Nah. Anyway. But, uh, but <laughs> Michael Bay. Michael Bay, really? That's, I, I thought you were right the first time. Oh, yeah. This, the Rock is the movie that makes Michael Bay exist for the yeah. rest of us. So, unfortunately. <laughs> what has he given us since then that's as good as The Rock? Anything? Nothing even no. close. Nothing. Nothing. No. That movie is... Is why he's here. He's ruined the Transformers. Yep. He just took, he just took that away from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and taking things away from your childhood is really the best way to end a wedding conversation. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was going to be one way, but it's the other way. <laughs> well, that actually works out because it looks like we're coming to the end of our uh, appointed time anyway. Thanks so much for joining us. This is great. I never would have thought of a lot of these issues. Absolutely freaking fascinating, man. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So if you in, uh, listened to this show and enjoyed it, you should absolutely subscribe on iTunes or whichever of those podcast delivery services is your favorite so that you receive this Every time we do a new episode, also give us a review on whichever of those you use so that we can move up their algorithm of recommended podcasts. And you can continue to read. You can read Rob's stuff at the Wedding Industry Law blog. So check that out. You can read Ellie over at ATL Redline. I'm at Above the Law. We're all on Twitters and stuff like that. So get on that. And with that, I think we're done. Right, everybody? So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Have a nice one. 
If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.